Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. In this episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast, I talk with Tony Sotilli of Sotilli and Barilli Attorneys at Law. Um, Tony has been a bankruptcy uh, attorney for decades now and is an expert in the space. Um, we actually use their firm for bankruptcy-related issues in our mortgage note investing business. They also do some foreclosure work in specific states. Man, he's grown the firm. Uh, they have grown the firm quite a bit over the last, uh, since 2015 when they opened the firm. Um, this is a really, a really practical episode. It's very relatable. Tony's story, I think in a lot of ways is kind of the average American story as far as uh, how he grew up. Um, his, his dad worked at a, at a firm for many, many years. His parents are still together. And, you know, in that, in that sense, it's not extraordinary. He didn't have a, a plane crash where he walked away or, but the adversity kind of un, uh, unveils itself toward the end of the show. And I'm not going to, you know, spoil it. Tony went through some some real serious adversity um, that kind of came to a head, um, you know, in, in the last year, I guess, last fall of 2022, I believe. So, you know, there are a lot of entrepreneurial tidbits here along the way and a lot of kind of uh, nuggets regarding um, hard work and being a small business owner, how to choose a partner in business um, and sacrifice and, and how to grow any small business. Also, um, a lot regarding uh, spe specific to attorneys and law firms and that kind of thing. Um, but then we really do hit on some very real personal um, circumstances and challenging times and something serious that the Tony worked through. You know, I, I think a lot of us... Um, unfortunately, can relate to uh, what he went through. So I think it's a very practical episode. I really appreciate Tony for taking the time to uh, talk with us today. And I know you're going to love this one. Investors, have you ever felt frustrated by your loan servicer, experienced challenging communication, or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S.com. 
Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. A life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm thrilled today to be joined by Tony Sotilli of Sotilli and Barilli Attorneys at Law. Tony, how are you doing today? I'm great, Jamie. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm I'm really excited to dive in. I, as we we briefly mentioned before we hit record, I don't know your entire story, and I'm I'm very excited to to learn more about it. And uh, but. For the guest, for the listener out there, excuse me, I do I do work with Tony. I uh, we we use Tony in my my own uh, Tony's firm, I should say, uh, in my own uh, professional uh, life. So um, I can vouch for uh, the professional side of things with Tony, but we'll dive into that later. Tony, for the listener, uh, I'll stop rambling. Why don't you tell us who you are and what you're up to today? Uh, so my name is Tony Sotilli. Um, uh, currently today, uh, I. Uh, co-run a law firm with my business partner and law partner, Franco Barilli. Uh, we practice primarily out of the state of Ohio. I'm in the our Cincinnati office and Franco's in our Cleveland office. Um, but we do practice in many states, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Michigan, Illinois, and Alabama. And we have offices, uh, two offices in Ohio, one in Indiana and one in Illinois. Uh, we do a variety of other states for a lot of bankruptcy matters, and then we do offer nationwide bankruptcy coverage for um, a variety of matters in bankruptcy. But uh, we can get to all that later on, and you can check out our website and, and see those kinds of things on there. But, uh, you know, I think we're here to kind of talk about, uh, kind of talk about, you know, how we got to this point, and um, I'm interested yeah. in, in talking about that. Absolutely. So, and we will dive into your your more of what your firm does, and and because um, I'm, I'm actually curious to, to know a little bit more of how things are split up and how things work. But um, let's dive into your personal backstory, Tony. Um, and we can certainly focus on the uh, your growth as an entrepreneur. The listener out there is, they're mostly entrepreneurs. And, you know, so we'll talk some about your your actual practice and, and what that focuses on, but a lot about your, your entrepreneurial journey as well as your personal journey. So, um, where should we start? Uh, um, where do you want to start things off as far as your background? Um, well, let's go back to, uh, I mean, I don't have a complicated childhood. My my parents are together. They've always been together. They're, I still have them both. They live about 15 minutes from my house. Um, we had a, a great childhood. I'm the oldest of three. Um, you know, my my father worked at General Electric for 45 years and my mom stayed at home as long as she could until um, all of our school fees and, and and registration costs kind of made a kind of made a single income house difficult to to raise two boys and a girl in and uh, and uh, mom went back to work at that point. But by then I was old enough to kind of come home and and uh, take care of myself late in the afternoon and take care of my brother and whatnot and my sister eventually. But uh, but um, I, I kind of 
I, I kind of got into entrepreneurialism uh, probably when I was a teenager, actually. I okay. was a swimming lesson instructor. Okay. I was never on a swim team, but I had I, I was uh, kind of a trained swimmer, um, just with different classes at YMCA's and you know, organizations like that. Sure. And uh, I enjoyed swimming, not competitively. Again, we didn't, you know, we weren't competitive swimmers, but mm-hmm. but I was able to kind of utilize that uh, in different pools in my area, whether it was a neighborhood pool or a, or a private backyard pool. And, you know, people would say, hey, can you come teach my kids? Can you come teach my kids? And, right. and after a few months of doing this, you know, during one summer, I kind of thought, you know what? I think I can make a bit of a business out of this. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I printed up flyers. I had schedules. I had minimums for private pools. So you had to have a certain number of people at that pool for me to travel to your house uh, to teach, nice. you know, your children or some neighbor children uh, swimming lessons. And um, I was able to do that through the, um, uh, you know, through the YMCA and through different organizations that kind of uh, certified that I was able to do that. And uh, that was kind of my start um, out of the the, the typical brass cutting, babysitting, stuff like that. That was kind of boring for me growing up. I was really (laughs) too interested in that. Uh, And uh, that's kind of where I got the start. Yeah, no. So that's interesting because I, I know for myself, I've looked back and I never thought of it at the time. I didn't realize, you know, oh, you're an entrepreneur. You know, I wasn't yeah. saying that to myself, but, but looking back, I did have a, um, I did personal training, which I just thought of because of <laughs> what you just talked about yeah. with the swimming lessons, essentially the same type type thing. And then, um, you know, did a, I did have a, a grass cutting business and things like that. And, and just, I think I've always had that sort of bent toward being an entrepreneur. Um, and it sounds like you you have as well. So walk us through um, your entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey from that point up in, until uh, becoming an attorney and, and uh, you know, when things kind of got real for you, if you will. Sure. So I, I think back then, I mean, and even going further back than that, I was a kid on a snow day that uh, would love snow days. I would line up cleaning driveways the night before we knew we would have no school. So, I mean, I wasn't interested in <laughs> I wasn't interested in sledding. I wasn't interested in playing. I was interested in lining up as many driveways as I could. And I'd make assurances that they'd be plowed. They'd be, uh, you know, shoveled before, uh, you know, before somebody went to work that morning. And, you know, I I, I had my brother help and paid my brother. And, and it's, it, it just goes back that much further. Well, let me, uh, let me ask you this. What was your, why do you think that was? In, in other words, you know, was it, did you, you wanted the extra spending money? You wanted security? You wanted to prove yourself as, uh, you know, as your why did you have that that drive? It's as cut and dry as I just want a little spending money. Okay. Um, you know, uh, my parents, you know, raised us with with you know they raised us very fiscally minded, and sure. my mom would always say, "I can buy you a pair of shoes for twenty dollars if you want your Nikes, and they're sixty dollars. You've got to come up with the other forty. <laughs> I, I can buy Absolutely. you I can buy you tough skins at Sears for fifteen dollars if you want your Levi's. Those are thirty dollars. You're gonna have to come up with the other 15. So sure. I was always interested in, in having those kinds of things, but sure. it really wasn't so much for the material aspect of that. Now that I'm an adult and I can look back, I think it was mm-hmm. more for, um, uh, you know, being able to do something like that. You know, I, I, I took pride in how I looked. I looked, I took pride in, in being able to do those things, but, but it really was more that I could accomplish a goal. My goal was, you know, this, this item or this trinket or this pack of baseball cards. And in order to get there, I had to earn my money to get there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was, uh, I really think that that really kind of formed a, a good solid foundation for me 
in what I thought was just school. Uh, you know, I, I felt like, you know, school mattered more to me. I paid for school. Um, mm. I worked in the summers. I worked throughout school. Um, and that's kind of what I thought that all of that work that I did as a preteen and a teenager, uh, you know, doing those entrepreneurial things, I felt like that was what always laid the groundwork for me to to have uh, to be able to do that in school and pay for my school. And I mean, I took out loans sure. and everything. But um, but uh, you asked kind of how that relates to becoming a lawyer. So, yeah, exactly. I went straight from high school to college, college to law school, graduated law school and got a job. OK, so this yeah. is just after 9-11. Economy's kind of down some. Sure. They're no longer giving away those high-paying jobs that they were giving away to anybody <laughs> who law school. So I took a job. wasn't the greatest job in the world. It was doing bankruptcy work um, for a nationwide firm that did consumer bankruptcy. So I represented consumers who filed bankruptcy. Okay. Um, I wanted something that I could hit the ground running in. I didn't want to carry someone else's briefcase. I wanted interaction with clients. I wanted interaction with the court. You know, I wanted to get my name out there, my my ticket out there. Sure. It was not going well. <laughs> About two or three years, I was I was struggling. I, I didn't like it. I felt like I needed to leave. But keep in mind that the only thing I knew growing up was my dad, who went to work mm. for 45 years at General mm -hmm. Electric. And most of those 45 years were not good. And, and I remember sure. home and you know, surviving layoffs and surviving friends getting laid off. And, and uh, yeah. it, you know, that's what I knew. I knew, well, that's just what you do. You just keep your nose down. Yep. Do your work. You just hey. continue to grind, right? Yeah, right. I, I mean, that's, right. I think that's, that's a, obviously nowadays it's people jump, jump ship left and right, let's be honest, <laughs> yeah. uh, with, with different yeah. career. Uh, and I don't, I don't say that to blame them necessarily. Mm -hmm. I just think it's a lot more common that people change, change, uh, career choices and paths a, a lot more frequently now. Um, so, but, you know, that is absolutely back, you know, you and I are about the same age. And so this was what, uh, 20 years ago, we're talking at yeah. this point. Yes, um, <laughs> and so, you know, at that point, it wasn't very common to just change jobs and change careers, let alone jobs within every, every couple of years. So um, when to know, you know, that's a very individual thing, I think, as far as knowing, Am I being stupid by continuing, you know, to be stubborn and, and continuing down this path versus, hey, there are plenty of signs here that I'm not happy. This isn't this isn't my calling. This isn't the right thing for me to do. Um, how did you go through that mentally at that point? Oh, well, it was tough because, again, I, I had married my wife at that point. Uh, mm -hmm. I met and married my wife while I was working at that first job. And, and we were you know both still kind of starting out. Uh, she had a job, very entry level kind of job at a, at a what was she doing back then? She was doing, um, I can't remember what she was doing, mm -hmm. just entry level business. I mean, this sure. is this was low end first job out of college for her uh, yep. kind of work. And, and it was a big step for, you know, for us to get married and combine, you know, two small incomes to a, a medium kind of income and, and mm -hmm. not knowing kind of what was next if I didn't want to work at that job anymore, you know. It was a little scary for us. Um, so I put feelers out there and uh, I ended up switching from doing, from representing consumers in bankruptcy work to representing creditors in bankruptcy work. And I made that mm -hmm. move in, in about 2006. I jumped, okay. kind of jumped the sides of the aisle uh, in the courtroom. Okay. And that's where so I've just, been ever since. Okay, got it. So for the, the listener out there who's unfamiliar entirely with what you're, what you're talking about, um, 
the creditor, like you mentioned, is someone who files for bankruptcy. I think you mentioned chapter seven and 13 are the, were the primary uh, chapters. Um, so what, what previously, what was your typical client uh, profile before you, you switched over to, uh, to the other team, if you will? <laughs> sure, sure. So my first kinds of clients were you and me. My first clients were consumers, uh, yep. general everyday people that, that, had a, that usually had a, something bad happened to them. So usually sure. it was a loss of a job, a sick child, sick, sick uh, spouse, um, you know, medical bills, uh, things like that that would cause somebody to have uh, financial difficulties and and to the point where they would need to file bankruptcy, Chapter 7, sure. Chapter 15 kind of bankruptcy. So Got that it. was my first foray into the legal world. Yep. And then when you switched uh, switched over, then what was the the avatar of your, uh, I, I guess, what does that continue to be uh, at sure. this point? Sure. So then when I switched sides, I then began representing the creditors of the people that I used to represent. Now, obviously, I couldn't represent creditors in those cases anymore because I can't represent both sides in the same case kind of a thing. So eventually, those cases all went away, and I was able to represent just solely creditors. So we're talking uh, about banks, mortgage companies, auto lenders, um, landlords, really anybody that that um, has money owed to them from somebody mm-hmm. else. That, that, that became my client after my first job. And again, this was all bankruptcy focused, right? It wasn't like foreclosure or anything like no, that at that point. I was yeah. strictly a bankruptcy guy. Yeah, got it. And again, so this was, it's not like you were at 10 years old said, I want to be a bankruptcy attorney. It was it was more just one thing led to another and you kind of became an expert in that field. Yeah. Um, and so then, okay, 2006, you mentioned, how long did you, and you were working for someone else at that point, right? Correct, correct. Okay, how long from- did you do, do that for? I did that. So I went from from a big nationwide firm representing just consumers in bankruptcy to a more regional firm out of Cincinnati representing uh, representing creditors uh, in bankruptcy. Now, that firm did foreclosures, bankruptcies, uh, several other different areas of law. But I, I stuck to I stuck to bankruptcy and I was there for about three years and just kind of again, I, I grew lost. I grew, yeah. you know, I felt like my voice wasn't heard. I felt like my my. Work wasn't being appreciated, um, mm-hmm. not necessarily monetarily. I was I was okay in mm-hmm. my monetarily, but but my opinion didn't matter. My mm-hmm. my my wants and desires didn't matter. So long as the mm-hmm. owners, uh, you know, were met, then that was good enough for the firm, and and that's fine. Right. That that's that's just fine. Um, right. And from there to to two other firms just like that, and I fizzle okay. out. You know, after a brief honeymoon period of, oh, you know, Tony's a new guy. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And mm-hmm. it was allowed. And I would yeah. just, I would get in a funk uh, very, sure. very easily. Uh, yeah, you know, I can, I can relate. And I think a lot of our listeners can relate. Yeah. I, I, um, I worked for seven years at the Department of Defense full time and then seven years part time. And after, you know, five or six years of full time work there, it's, it's Groundhog Day. It's the same commute every day. It's, you know, it's not that you're speaking for myself. It's not that I was entirely miserable, meaning, you know, life has no meaning, but but it had to have more meaning. I just I, I just wasn't having the impact or the fulfillment that I knew I could have. Um, Perfect word. Fulfillment. <laughs> so sounds like, you know, you were doing fine. It's, it's not like life was awful, but there, you knew there was more. 
Um, so talk to kind of the the mindset there as far as moving to, toward creating. You'd been an entrepreneur years prior yeah. on, a, on a lesser scale than you are now. Um, and so how did your mindset change? Uh, what did what what how did your perspective, your priorities, what changed at that point mentally for sure. you? So I didn't really fancy myself an entrepreneur back you know, back when I was talking about shoveling driveways and teaching some lessons, I was just a kid with a plan and who wanted some money in his wallet, you know, I mean, sure. I didn't really know what that word entrepreneurial was. Yeah. Um, and I met, uh, I met Franco Barilli, my current law partner at a yep. job that I had before my last job. Okay. So we both kind of left that job and Franco grew up in a very entrepreneurial household. Okay. Um, and would always tell me, man, you can do this yourself. You can do this yourself. You don't <laughs> have to be miserable. You don't have to be unhappy. And, yep. and just, I just, I was scared. I was, um, you know, I, there was, there's a lot of peace in, in a nine five working for somebody Absolutely. else on that same paycheck, uh, whatever sure. that paycheck is, uh, you know, counting on that same paycheck every, you know, every couple of Fridays. And, um, there's a lot of peace in that. And, you Absolutely. know, my wife didn't have kids. Um, it was just her and I, and we were just kind of working our way up through our careers and, and we were very comfortable. I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot of adversity, you know, mm-hmm. at this point, you know, things sure. were good. We bought a house, we had cars, we were taking trips together. Um, but I just was completely, thoroughly, disgustingly unfulfilled, you know, <laughs> working for other people. And many yeah. of them were wonderful people to work for and with, but um, sure. yeah, Franco, my business partner now would always tell yeah. me, man, you can do this yourself, you can do this yourself. And finally I said, okay, I'm gonna do this myself. <laughs> So what was Franco's position at that at that point? Had he done it himself already? So he had done it himself. Okay. Um, he had done uh, strictly collections work and some mm-hmm. kind of business transaction work mm-hmm. uh, for himself. Okay. After working for some other firms as well. Sure. Uh, so he had done it for himself for a while. And then he joined a firm um, for okay. that for that consistent income, probably. Sure. That's stability and consistency. Yeah. Yep. And that's where he and I met. He and I met at that firm. Got it, and, got it. You know, stayed in touch. He left there to go back out on his own. Okay. I left there just trying to chase happiness at someone else's firm. And um, of course, mm-hmm. within months at that firm, it just it just wasn't just, right. And, sure. You know, stayed in touch with Franco. And, and that's kind of when we we kind of had the idea of, well, I'm going to branch out on my own. Franco's mm-hmm. going to stay on his own. And we'll just kind of cross-refer work to one another. And that scared the head. That's good. The daylights out of me, um, <laughs> you know. I, I'm a. I do. I do bankruptcy work. Um, you know, sure. I, it's what I do. It's what I know. It's what I'm comfortable with. And mm-hmm. the, the specter of doing this for myself was was really too much. I wasn't an entrepreneur. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, and absolutely. It's it, a whole it, different beast. Whether you're talking about being an attorney or not, as creating a business is is a separate thing than yeah. than than being than having a you know, being a professional for someone else. So, and then, and then what happened from there? How did you join together? Sure. So it took, it took a lot of conversations. It took getting our wives involved Mm -hmm. to to understand. I think Franco had some, some concerns about having a partner again. I think he had some, some difficulties Hmm. doing those kinds of things in the past. And he was very comfortable being, being on his own. And, and, uh, you know, I just, I wasn't comfortable being on my own. I, I wanted to be with somebody that I could, that I could count on, that I could trust, that could trust me, and that I, I could see. grow business with. Um, Got it. That ancillary law practice that mine would fit in with, um, yeah. that 
you could bring other things to the table, like, you know, some business acumen, some, some, sure. uh, you know, accounting acumen that I didn't really invest <laughs> the time. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I, and I'd, I'd love to touch on that a bit. Um, Cause I know you started Satili and Barilli in 2015. Right. Um, so you've been at it for coming up on eight years now, maybe, maybe more than eight years. Um, It'll be eight and, years in April, eight years. Okay. Next month. Yeah. All right. So right about eight years when this comes out. So, um, Talk to for the listener out there because I've been through some of this myself as far as you know um, how to choose a business partner and, and and it doesn't always a lot of times it's organic it's not necessarily hey I need to choose a business partner let me put out an ad for a business partner and interview people you might not even know you have a need for a business partner and then you realize that can be partners with this person so there's no one size fits all answer or, or way to go about it but. What would you tell the, the kind of budding entrepreneur out there or someone who is an entrepreneur who may be looking to partner with someone else, not on a deal, but on a, a business venture? Um, lessons you've learned or lessons that you know Franco has learned. Um, how can you speak to the listener out there? Sure. Well, I really can only speak to myself about this. I've only had one business partner uh, and it's gotcha. only been Franco. And so far as I'm concerned, it will also, it will forever only be Franco. <laughs> Got it. We just... We mesh extremely well. Nice. Um, his weaknesses are my strengths. My strengths are his weaknesses. Yep. Um, I bet we agree on, I, I, honestly, I bet we agree on 95% of the things we do. And okay. then the 95%, most of those, if he's adamant about something, good, let's good, let's do it. If I'm adamant about something and he's not, sure. good, let's do it my way. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he trusts me. I trust him. I mean, there's only a few yep. people in this world that if they told me to jump, I jump and have to <laughs> way up. And, and for me to have that trust in somebody, and I, sure. I feel he would say the same thing, sure. uh, uh, you know, is, is paramount to me. I mean, I, I trust Franco with my life in many ways. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and that trust is not hard. It's not easy to come by. Uh, it's, sure. it's hard to find. Uh, I lucked out. I lucked out big time. <laughs> Got it. Um, so and it sounds like he was able to you were able to assuage his fears, I guess, as yes. far as his, uh, you know, his concerns and, and uh, from that had come out of having a, it sounds like um, maybe some bad partnerships previously, but I love it. It's awesome. So how walk us through from, you know, from 2015 through today, what, what's the uh, growth of your business looked like? And I know you've got uh, you've brought on a lot more uh, partners is that um, to grow the firm? Is that right? So yes, so, so we started with just Franco and I. Um, yep. I was he was in a small office. I bet it was maybe 200, 250 square feet. Okay, uh, small yep. office. I was out of uh, out of my uh, office in my house, uh, and we started April twentieth of twenty fifteen. And by that summer, we had both hired multiple people to to help with our kind of growing offices. Mm -hmm. I think Franco had already moved into a larger office at that point. Um, I was on the hunt for office space and it really just grew from there. It grew from just mm -hmm. doing state court collection work and bankruptcy work. Uh, mm -hmm. so bankruptcy works all federal collection works, all state court work, mm -hmm. just doing those two things to, uh, we had clients that wanted us to start doing foreclosure work, which Frank and I had both done in the past and kind of knew enough to be dangerous on. So we, <laughs> we we took a couple of months worth of collection of foreclosure work from a client and went, okay, we need to get some help on this. So that started, you know, a third practice group for us. We had bankruptcy, we had collection. 
Um, foreclosure kind of started that third practice group for us. Got and, it. you know, it's just been steady growth since then. So okay. starting with the two of us and uh, growing to, we have 13 attorneys at this point, And mm-hmm. I'd say about 25, 28 support staff people, uh, ranging from paralegals to uh, billing people to uh, human resource people. Uh, we have uh, IT folks that we contract with. We've got vendors mm-hmm. that we associate with now that we we count on to provide services for us. Um, we went from, you know, just a handful of two or three states to, you know, multiple states. Uh, and awesome. uh, yeah, yeah. So it sounds like it's been relatively organic. You kind of take it one yes. step at a time. Yes. You, you didn't necessarily have a... 10, 20 year plan with exactly how this, this firm's going to turn out. Um, is that fair to say? (laughs) I mean, it was, it was, I think like everything, you know, we, we thought very small with this. I mean, this wasn't Mm -hmm. something that, you know, we just wanted to make enough to, 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 you know, feed our families and have a nice little life and, and, and have that respect that he and I both craved from, from previous employers uh, and previous jobs. And, um, you know, to be able to build that, that, you know, we took what we didn't like at other places and wanted to make sure that we corrected those things sure. at Sicilian Barilli. We wanted to make sure that we provided a platform for our our attorneys to speak up and our staff to speak up from the ground up. I mean, on your first day, if you come up with an idea, we're nimble, we're nimble, we're small. We can, let's put that idea in practice. Let's give it a try. Sure. You know, you know, we're not old stodgy people. We're not recalcitrant to, to change. I mean, uh, you know, we are, we're, we're, we want to try these things, you sure. know, and, and when Frank was telling me about, you know, starting a firm together, I, I'm like, I have no, I have no concept of entrepreneurialism. I've never done it before. <laughs> and, and and I'm telling people this and they're looking at me like, but you've always been entrepreneurial. You did swimming lessons. You lined up yeah. school removal jobs. You babysat, you circulated flyers to cut grass you you paid your dad for the gas and the mower you know what I mean? <laughs> you had that spirit your whole life yeah. you just really know it well a lot of times it's other people can see the strengths in us yes. more than we can ourselves so tell me this do you work harder now than you did when you were working for someone else um i would say <laughs> actually no to that okay um, okay I, I we have in the past sure. um but we we've made it kind of our our process here to mm-hmm. hire people that we are smarter than us. Uh, <laughs> Frank and I, we, we definitely do not want to be, nor are we the smartest people in any room that we're in in our offices. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we want people that can you know, just blow us out of the water with their, you know, reciting of code and case law. And, 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 sure. and you know, we, we want to get out of the way and, and let yeah. the smart people in the room have a voice. That makes a lot of sense. So how about the first few years? I mean, you said you have, were, were there periods of time where you really had to put your uh, nose to the grindstone, stone, so days. to speak, 20 hour days? 20 okay. hour days. So speak to the entrepreneur as far as, I'll ask this first, would you recommend, and we know it's not one size fits all, every situation is different. So let's, we'll, we'll get the, the attorney caveats out of the way, right? But um, <laughs> no, but would you recommend somebody who's thinking about starting their own business should they create a side hustle or should they kind of just jump in two feet, you know, head first and just uh, go for it? Okay. And that's a great, 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 great question. I did not have a whole lot of responsibility when I made this move. Um, I was married. My wife was working. She had a very good job. She could carry the health insurance. She could carry yep. mortgage payments. You know, we had done some planning, so we were putting money away. 
Um, sure. It was very easy for me to literally turn off one switch and turn on a new switch. Got it. Uh, yeah. Knowing full well that, you know, we were going to give it a year or so. And if it didn't work, I was just going to get another job. Sure. Absolutely. But, no. but I think, I think that's not the average person. I think the average person has a lot more um, going on, you know, mm -hmm. when they're thinking about making that move. So, yeah. so it, it depends on what you're looking sure. at doing, but, but no, starting more of a side hustle, you can't really do that in law, right? So you can <laughs> that's, that's serve, true. You know, serve two kind of firms as, a, as an attorney. There's boiling it down. Yeah. It, that's not easy to do. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, obviously, it does does depend on everyone's situation and goals. Um, so it sounds like you did really have to bust, you know, bust your butts for a few years there, yes. and then you're able to grow your team. And now you've got not that you're you're just sitting on the beach all day all day long, uh, but sounds like you've got systems and people in place um, to kind of really lift you you all to the next level. Yes. Um, where would you say you're you're headed um, in the next you know few years with the firm? Uh, our our mission now is is just continued steady growth. Um, Got it. That will probably involve expansion in terms of staffing. I don't know okay. if that involves expansion in terms of you know additional states of representation. Mm -hmm. um, but Alabama is a new state for us, for example, and the reason we have Alabama is because we brought on an attorney about a year ago. Um, yeah. Alabama license and some contacts that could provide yeah. us work in Alabama. So yeah, is that is that Dennis? That's Dennis Ferguson. He's a, yeah. he's one of our partners. He's a partner out of our uh, out of our uh, Indianapolis office. I had uh, worked with him a little bit uh, previously, and I was uh, I, I thought that was a that was nice work by by Tony and Franco to get him get him on board. So um, I've, known, I've known Dennis for probably 15, 16 years. Dennis has four years of experience. He's exactly what we're interested in. Somebody with awesome. with multiple years of experience working for other people that is just looking for that same amount of respect and say in a in a business or in, in a firm as Franco and I wanted. So Absolutely. the partners that we've brought on, um, they they don't have to worry about the finances. They don't have to worry about, you know, making payroll and things like that. It's it's more of a title, uh, a title sure. to them out of a respect sure. factor for what they can bring to the table. And we've got senior senior attorneys, much the same thing. It's a respect thing here. You sure. know, it's, this person's practiced for, for so long, knows so much, and is so important to us. We want to honor that. We want to give we want to give them that to the public. Uh, sure. and, and that helps. That makes a lot of sense. It sounds like you're very people focused and I, you know, I've gotten to know you from a distance a little bit over the years and it just seems like, you know, you and Franco both care a lot about your your staff and your clients. So um, I think that's fantastic. So um, if you would, I know there was some some fairly recent um, personal adversity and I know it's not always easy to talk about, Tony, but I appreciate it if you could dive into that a little bit and then we can then I've got some other questions uh, after that but talk to us about uh, kind of on the personal side uh, the adversity you've dealt with recently sure sure so I've mentioned my wife a few times she um, uh, was crucial to my success kind of going up in different firms and and uh, you know always being you know my strongest cheerleader behind you know over my shoulder and you know kind of my my chief counselor my chief operating officer I mean she was always helping me with with decisions and whatnot and and uh, when she was 17 way before we got married we got married late in our 20s uh, when mm -hmm. she was 17 she was diagnosed with cancer oh, wow. and uh, we knew you know we knew that 
when we got married that we weren't going to be that couple that retired at 60 and walked along the beach for mm. 20 years together. I mean, we we knew that we knew that our time together was was going to be short. We didn't know mm. how short, we didn't know how long. We just that was, you know, you can't help what you fall in love with. And uh sure. You know, I was willing to take on that responsibility. And um, mm. it was another reason why I was looking for something of my own was, you know, I knew as she got older and as, as mm. uh, you know, I, I knew as she, you know, grew older, um, mm-hmm. you know, that we'd have issues that we would need to deal with. And mm-hmm. uh, when we started the firm, that was one of the reasons why we started the firm was I okay. knew I would likely need significant time off for, mm. for treatments and for, uh, for operations and surgeries and, and, and whatnot, uh, over the next, you know, we hoped many, many years, sure. um, but, um, she got, um, she got pretty sick, um, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, uh, the mm-hmm. summer of 2021. And, mm-hmm. uh, it was unfortunately just kind of a, a, a spiral from there for her. And she lost her battle in, um, in November of last year. So uh, we gotcha. knew it was coming. Um, you know, it, it that helped a tremendous amount knowing uh, several months in advance that there wasn't really mm-hmm. any more that could be done. So I was Got really, it. we were able to grieve together. I was able to grieve my wife with my wife, mm-hmm. the loss of my wife with my mm-hmm. wife, which was a, a gift wow. that um, sure. uh, uh, was incredible. Well, thank you. I mean, thank you for opening up about that. I know it's not not easy to speak about, and again, that's what this show is all about. It's on the on the downside. It's very easy for me to pretend like you know, for one thing, to just gloss right over this adversity, like it's no big deal. We just talk about it, move on. That's you know, that's not the the approach we're trying to take here. But, um, in you know, instead, we're trying to let the listener know that we all experience adversity in one way or another in life. And again, like we mentioned, it's often um, health or relationship. And in this case, those were both of those, right? Um, Or financial and or combination thereof. And, um, you know, I just, I, you know, I'm not gonna pretend I know what that's like, but I I appreciate you sharing it. And, and um, the fact that, you know, you've obviously had massive growth on the, um, you know, through your business and your career, um, since, you know, starting as a, as a swim instructor, if you will, and then up until now, but that doesn't mean like, that doesn't mean it's been a straight line to success and it's always up and to the right without, uh, valleys. And, um, so, uh, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I, I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine, in a way you were able to cherish the time that you spent together and, and maybe even cherish your own just every day a little bit more than maybe you would have otherwise. I'm oh, oh, most, oh, Jamie, most definitely. I mean, she, she worked for the firm. I mean, we spent 24 mm-hmm. hours a day together. Uh, you know, she was mm-hmm. as much a part of this firm and the growth of the firm and, and mm-hmm. the friend to everybody here. She hired most of the people that work out of our Cincinnati office. Okay. Uh, she had a hand in hiring most of the people that worked out of all of our offices. Gotcha. Uh, and she was able to see a lot of the successes that we had and, and help with the failures and help, you know, help mm-hmm. put policies in place to to not have, you know, bad things happen. And and, uh, you know, I, my regret, my regret isn't really mm-hmm. so much regret, but that she's mm-hmm. not going to be able to see see mm-hmm. this all the way through, you know. Sure. And that's yeah, that's a success. But sure. I'm sorry, but being no. surrounded by so many people that knew her uh, is a blessing to me. 
that's uh again thank you for opening up i do have some uh, some questions here and oh. some of these will will kind of relate back to the personal side and some will relate more to the business side um what's one thing that people misunderstand about you so there's no two faces of Tony. Um, and I, I think I think if people see me at conferences or people see me on the street or people see me really anywhere, what you see is what you get. I, mm-hmm. you know, I might have maybe a bit more of a, a filter when I'm at work. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, uh, I don't dress one way at work and another way on the, you know, in my personal life. I talk the same, I sound the same. Again, language might be a little different, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, other than that, uh, what you see yeah. is what you get with me. Uh, and and I it. think I think I'm a pretty genuine person in that regard. Okay. I love it. Um, if you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be and why? Ooh, wow. Co- the coffee question. Um, if I can have coffee with anybody... It can still um, be I, still be alive today or or sure. not. I mean, I think I'd say my grandfather, my mom's dad, who I knew okay. for a, I knew for a while. He passed away when I was in fifth grade. He was the first person I knew to to die. Okay, and uh, he, you know, he gave my, you know, he gave my grandmother and and my mom and her sisters and brother a a, a good life growing up. Sure. Um, I think he was at a steel mill or some kind of mill work, and eventually mm-hmm. later in life got the entrepreneurial bug and he opened up a gift shop in, in, in a small town in North Jersey oh, and cool. had this entrepreneurial bug about him. And, and my mom would always kind of compare me to him mm-hmm. and talk about what I'm doing versus what he did and how he started his business and kind of our attitudes about work. And if, if you're going to have a business, be open, be available, be, you know, be present, be, you mm-hmm. know, how, how you treat people, how you treat customers, how you treat um, your employees. And sure. I would love to talk with him um, yeah. and have coffee with him to see if he's proud of what I've done and everything. Sure. No, I pr- appreciate that answer. And I can vouch for your responsiveness and professionalism. And, uh, you know, from my perspective and working with you, it's it's top notch. So um, I think he would be, I think he would be proud if I can, you know, speak for him. <laughs> if you were given $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? I would keep one and give away nine. Okay. Um, I have grown very philanthropic as I've um, as I've been able to, um, okay. and I probably derive the most pleasure in life uh, giving money away at this point. <laughs> and this is small amounts. I mean, I'm, sure. I'm by no means, you know, somebody yeah. you're going to see on TV. Yeah. We- uh, we don't want your phone ringing for for that reason, right? No, no. <laughs> we, we, you know, we have some some cherished charities that the firm yeah. contributes to that that the Satilli family, you know, holds near and dear uh, for a variety of other reasons. And and nice. being able to to work with those organizations not only in in financial ways, but but with my time as much as I can, I mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoy doing. Love it. Um, speaking of, of your firm, what is one challenge that you're facing in, in your business right now? Oh, so we always have regulatory challenges. Um, mm. so, so dealing with, dealing with, um, you know, note buyers, dealing with institutional investors, dealing with, yep. with large banks, um, there's different regulations, you know, all along the way, and they are always changing. Um, and, and they change depends on who's in the White House, depends on who controls Congress, depends on what banks are failing and how and how places want to regulate those kinds of things or organizations, what the CFPB wants to do, what, mm-hmm. what all these different governmental entities are doing, not only on the federal level, but state level, local levels, mm-hmm. staying on top of all of those and being able mm-hmm. to 
it's tough to stay a step ahead <laughs> sure. of them, but yeah. at least staying on top of them is is always going to be our biggest concern: compliance, regulatory compliance. Sure. But it does lead to a little bit of job security too, doesn't it? If it... it does, it does. It does. <laughs> if, if that's um, your your expertise, <laughs> um, we we um we sh- we don't do much in terms of interpretation. So some people listen, you know, probably have come to us with you know, hey, can I do X, Y, and Z? And yeah. that's not us. You know, we would sure. we would tell people you know talk with regulatory counsel, talk to sure. somebody else. Uh, you know, who can help set you up that particular way. Sure, can, that makes sense. Work, we can, you know, we can get you set up as an LLC. We can do those kinds of things. But mm-hmm. when it comes on to, uh, you know, setting up your note business, that's not, yeah, it's not really that- your your thing. Got it. Understood. Um, what's one thing in your industry, just, you know, one viewpoint maybe um, in your field of expertise that almost no one agrees with you about? Do you or Franco have any kind of, divergent not divergent you know between the two of you but does your firm have any kind of unique uh, perspective or um take on any of the, any uh hot button issues or anything like that not necessarily on hot button issues but I, but I will tell you that one of the reasons we started the firm was because there was we saw that the smaller investor the 1z 2z note buyer investor yep. Yep. Uh, the people like that they were so dramatically underrepresented by the firms that we had worked for in the past um, yeah. Only because those firms specialized in high volume work from Bank of America and Chase and Aquin and Nation sure. Stock, Mr. Cooper, and, and would yeah. build their firms around how those companies wanted them to, because they were sending them literally thousands of mm-hmm. files a month. And mm-hmm. and the the smaller investors, and I'm not talking necessarily just one or two filing, mm-hmm. you know, one or two, you know, no kinds of people. I'm talking sure. the, Hundreds, right, um, right. You know, so these yeah. are by no means small businesses, but uh, right. we all thought that they were underrepresented. And when we started the company, we wanted to make sure, no matter how big we got, that that we always had a place for for the clients that got us our start, uh, and sure. for that size of of investor. Yeah, I mean that's, that's a little different. Some, some firms that do what we do, they don't want to, they don't want that. They're not interested in that. Sure, makes sense. Yeah, I mean that's that's really my uh, wheelhouse, you know, and and um, from as far as a note note buyer perspective and note um, investor, um, and that's also the reason we started BiFi Loan Servicing is you know to to meet the needs of a similar similar type clientele, um, not the not the big hedge funds or uh, big banks out there. Um, right. What's one occupation other than your own that you'd like to try? That's a great one too. Wow. Um, so let's see, what's another occupation? Um, I can see myself branching out into other businesses perhaps. Um, okay. I, I've uh, learned things good and bad. Um, you know, not all of our, not all of the things we've done here have worked. We've, we've pivoted, we've adjusted. Um, yeah. I think I've, I've learned things that I'm not sure where they would translate to, but, but it mm-hmm. might be interesting to, to you know, be a consultant for you know other smaller businesses or other entrepreneurs. Sure. You know, I, I think if I uh, was able to do something like that, I'd, I'd almost be a mentor to to yeah. people who were just as confused as I was. <laughs> they no, I hear you. Yeah, you know, but knew they weren't happy where they were. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can relate a lot to that. As much as I love managing our our note funds and building the team and uh, you know working on note deals and individual deals. At the same time, I personally am a lot more, or I should say somewhat more excited recently about 
small business and just a lot of the principles and, and lessons that um, can apply to any type of, of entrepreneurial uh, endeavor or, or many at least. So I hear you on that. Um, I think, so w- what would you say? What would you do differently maybe if you, you know, not necessarily to the attorney side of things or the, the law specific side, but, but as far as building your business, what would you do differently uh, if you had to do it over again? Sure. What would I do differently? Um, I would, I would probably pay maybe a little bit more mind to, to growing the business a little faster. Maybe, maybe we mm-hmm. thought a little too small at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we could have probably started a little bit bigger than we did, but mm-hmm. we didn't, we didn't know what we had, you know, and as an attorney, sure. you tell a client when you work for a firm, I'm leaving, will you come with me? You can't do that. Yeah. You just have to rely on that relationship and you, and you, you have to leave. You you have sure. to leave that firm and say, "Hey, I'm over here now." Uh, <laughs> just cross your fingers and hope they come with you. And um, absolutely, I think that if we had to do it all over again, we might have had a little more confidence in who would come with us, and we might have started a little bit bigger. Um, I don't know if we had any more any more ownership involved. You know, Franco and I we we like keeping that between the two of us. Sure. But even I mean, I don't, it's rare that I'll answer a question um, that somebody asks and they come to me with the questions. And I understand why people come to me with questions, but I will often ask that question on to one of our other attorneys here because they know this point better than I do. You know, at this point, you know, Franco and I have have pivoted in many ways to business development and and doing things like this with you, Jamie. And, 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 um, you know, just kind of you know, spreading the word, maybe a little bit more about the firm, going to conferences and seeing what other people are doing and seeing what maybe the next, the next trend might be seeing if, you know, if we got into another area of the law, what would that be? You know, where Mm -hmm. could we, where could we use what we currently do uh, and and effectuate change or be able to bring that business on at our firm? Mm -hmm. That sounds like maybe you would, you would have worked Again, easy to look back and second guess, but it sounds like you're saying you would have worked on your business rather than in your business a little yes. bit earlier than yes. you than you started to. That's uh, a much easier and more succinct way of saying that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, I, I I just listen and try to pull out a few nuggets. That's all. But um, <laughs> so as we wrap up here, Tony, tell us, tell the listener out there, um, what what is a book or two that you'd recommend for them? Um. So I actually don't read a whole lot of books. Law school will whip that love of <laughs> right out of you. That's funny. <laughs> um, you know, um, not how about a podcast or or uh, any uh, anybody you follow on social media or you know any, any kind of consuming of uh, of good content. I, I'm pretty boring in that regard. Um, okay, to, I'm not trying to be dodgy or anything. Yeah. I like I like reading other people's stories. I, I think maybe that's what I'm most interested in. Okay. You know, whether they're you know their biographies, not historical biographies. I mean, sure. they can be, you know everyday run of the mill people kind of biographies. But I I enjoy reading people's stories. I've I've mm-hmm. always had an interest in you know what makes Jamie Jamie. What makes <laughs> you know yeah. you know. John Doe, John Doe, and and, sure. and how you get to that point. So um, that that's you know if somebody puts a book like that in front of me or a podcast like that in front mm-hmm. of me. Uh, that's yeah. of interest. What makes Joe Burrow Joe Burrow? Right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Ravens fan, so you know well, that's fine. Um, <laughs> we can we can coexist, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so tell me this: How has 
I know you've grown financially and I know you spoke to some freedom uh, that you had kind of built into your personal life because of your your wife's health situation and things like that. It's time freedom. Uh, but speak to the listener out there as far as how has financial abundance benefited you in your life? Um, so it has, it's helped me with maybe some professional anxiety. You know, I know that if there's a downturn here at work, I'll be okay. My staff mm-hmm. will be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I'll be able to do the things philanthropically that I want to do, whether mm-hmm. it's a little bit that I'm able to do now, or it's down the road. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm retired, when the firm is, you know, passed on to somebody else, when, you know, whatever that time is, you know, my hope is that I'll have, you know, a, 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 a certain amount of money set aside that I can mm-hmm. you know, use use to benefit the lives of others. And then, mm-hmm. you know, my goal when I pass away is is to have money that that goes into a trust, which I formed already, um, mm-hmm. that, that um, then benefits, you know, several charities that I've that I've been mm-hmm. a part of, you know, most sure. of my and, and that me, uh, that gives me a lot of um, a lot of. I feel very good about that. I mm-hmm. feel very honored to be able to do that. Well, I do truly believe that that's, I mean, for anyone out there, that's that's how you're going to get satisfaction or uh, truly an abundant life is is giving back and serving others. Easy for me to sit here and say this on a, you know, uh, on a podcast, but I do uh, recognize that I, I, that that's through the stories we've, we've heard on the show, on the show so far. I mean, from adversity to abundance, really getting to true abundance isn't all about, you know, stockpiling a bunch of cash and sitting on that. It's really more about serving others and, and making an impact and being a part of uh, something bigger than yourself. Um, you've spoken a couple of times about um, uh, giving money away or, or to charities and things like that. Can you drill down on that a little bit more? What are there specific charities that you give to? So um, my, I have a nephew with Down syndrome. My brother's first son has Down syndrome. So uh, an organization that's of, of um, a great importance to um, our family, the Satilli family, is the Down Syndrome mm-hmm. Association of Greater Cincinnati. Uh, they were uh, such a tremendous help to my brother and his wife when they received their diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've become very, very heavily involved in that organization. Got it. Uh, my, my wife, through a uh, uh, a personal serendipitous uh, happens happening uh, mm-hmm. kind of got got us involved with a school here in the Loveland, Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio area called Ohio Valley Voices, uh, which specializes in teaching deaf children to speak mm-hmm. uh, and and kind of guiding them to to a, a life of hearing and and um, and um, and we that's another organization that I uh, take a great a great amount of pride in uh, being a part of. Um, and and those two. are those are two that 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 are very important to me. Makes sense. Those are two very important ones. That sounds sounds great. Um, so we've covered a lot of ground here. Is there anything we haven't covered that you'd like to touch on? Um, no, uh, this has been uh, a, certainly a greater uh, greater. Uh, spectrum of, of discussion than than mm-hmm. I was expecting. And I'm glad that we talked about <laughs> these things. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, I started this by saying and I, I'm an open book. And I think, sure. you know, I think that, that your listeners will be able to to see that. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, there's a lot, especially nowadays with social media and Instagram and everything. It's very easy to, you know, think, oh, Tony started this business and he's just killing it. And there's been no 
you know, no ups and downs, no downs, and it's just been all all up. And it's just easy to gloss over the the struggles and the trials that that are real and come with, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, that come with life. Um, so I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing. Um, and as far as just speak to the uh, your kind of your client out there again, who are you looking to serve and how can they find you online? So they can find us online through our uh, through our website, www.satillianbarilli.com. Uh, I am on social media. I'm a, I'm a Facebook guy. I'm a LinkedIn guy. So you can look me up that way. Just search for my name. Um, you can find me that way. Our firm is also on LinkedIn and social media. And, and those contact uh, those contacts probably point. They, I actually do know they point to me. They point to me. So you can find me that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we we specialize in 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 helping smaller and mid-sized investors. You know, we mm-hmm. we have institutional clients, but but our bread and butter has been and will continue to be will continue to be you know the smaller investor group, and, that, mm-hmm. and that's important to us. Absolutely. I know you do a lot of bankruptcy work, um, some foreclosure work when necessary, um, and evictions if you have to. Um, looks like from your website, business formation and transactions you can touch on. And now you all do collateral reviews and that kind of thing as well? We, we do We do pre-purchase collateral reviews okay. um, for the most part. There's some that we don't really get involved in and and at quick glance, we can we can determine whether or not we're not going to get involved with that. But, you know, sure. if we know we might be able to make the person happy, you know, it depends, I think, a lot on how on how that collateral review is presented, you know, what that person's goals sure. are, um, you know. Uh, but that is also something that we do pre-petition or pre-purchase collateral reviews. Mm-hmm. Got it. Fantastic. Well, Tony, thanks again. I, this has been, I know... Uh, you know, not always easy to talk about some of the trials you've been through. And, um, but we do appreciate you spending your time with us because I, even if you have a little more free time than you used to, I know you're still a busy guy. And, uh, we do appreciate you spending your time with us and, and opening up and congrats on the success. And it just seems like you have a very, um, healthy perspective on things. And, um, we appreciate that. So thanks again, Tony. Thank you very much, Jamie. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And to the listener out there, um, check out our new, newly launched website, adversity2abundance.com. And that two is the number two, adversity2abundance.com. We're going to start putting all things podcast related on that website. So check that out. And don't forget to share the show. And thanks for spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.